Hello everyone, I'm Akil Kamal and I'm the founder and lead problem solver at Futures Collective. Uh, I wanted to welcome all of you to our first ever podcast. I'm super excited to bring you some incredible conversations with young leaders and innovators across the world, talking about their journeys and most valuable experiences, as well as our perspectives about pressing issues facing young people today. So without any further ado, I'm really honored to be able to welcome our guests today, Whitney Stacey and Matt Tellick, co-directors of Monochrome Coffee Co. Monochrome Coffee is a social enterprise coffee company out to empower people to change the world now. And it exists to transform developing communities through the education and empowerment of youth. Whitney grew up wanting to be an actor, but always knew she had a passion for positively impacting other people's lives. A volunteer trip to Tanzania at the age of 18 solidified her commitment to impacting East African communities through education. Matt's pathway was very different. Matt went to university to become um, and became a lawyer after accepting a highly sought-after graduate role at a multinational professional services firm in corporate tax law. Matt soon realised that education and social enterprise were his true calling. Both currently work full-time jobs in addition to running Monochrome Coffee and Monochrome International, a not-for-profit. So welcome, Whitney and Matt. It's so great to have you guys here. And I just wanted to start off by asking, in particular, Whitney, about your experience at the age of 18 with your volunteer trip to Tanzania. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us. (laughs) It's an absolute pleasure. Um, So, yeah, as you said, I... First went to Tanzania when I was 18. Um, I had never heard of Tanzania before I decided to go there. I just knew that I wanted to go somewhere in Africa and work with children. And yeah, I'd I'd known that I had wanted to do that since about the age of 14. But I was really scared and I didn't tell anybody because I thought, who am I to say that I can make a difference? Um, And then after getting those concerns out of the way, I told my parents that that's what I wanted to do and told my best friend and they really supported and empowered me to go do that. So I went over not really knowing what it was going to be like or what I was even going to be doing. Uh, And then I ended up teaching English at a rural care centre called Arat Care Centre and loved it, um, fell in love with the community and the kids that I was working with and saw that there was a real opportunity there to make a huge impact on these kids' lives and then came back after six weeks and started Monochrome International. And our first program was um, getting those original kids that I taught, getting them into a really great school. That's awesome. And obviously um, it's turned out to be pretty successful and you're um, really making an impact with quite a few children and obviously just the education in general um, at Tanzania. Uh, How many kids have you got at the moment with your programs? We have 25 kids in their fifth year of primary school. That's very cool. That's very Mm. cool. Yeah, and I guess I just want to bring Matt in as well and talk about your path, which is really quite different, Matt. And you, um, you went to university, got a law degree, and um, had some pretty uh, big roles at um, different corporations. So what sort of brought upon, brought upon that shift um, where you, you realised that education and um, social enterprise were what you wanted to do? Yeah, thanks, Akil. Um, it's interesting. My, um, my background is almost the, um, 
the kind of educational background that your parents want you to have. Um, mm. Having said that, I came from a really supportive um, family wherein mum and dad supported me in whatever I wanted to do. It was, it was largely the expectations that I put on myself that I thought I had to be a lawyer. Um, so I, I went to school in Queensland and, and got a reasonable mark, uh, a reasonable exit grade, which meant that I had a lot of choices when I left school. Um, which was fantastic. I thought that I had to use that exit grade, otherwise my whole schooling life would have been a waste, which of course is not the case. Yeah. Uh, I chose to go to University of Queensland and study law, um, uh, which I did, and then from there went and did the, the postgraduate diploma in, in legal practice, which meant that I could be admitted as a solicitor. So it all was founded on a... Um, a subconscious decision that I realized I made when I was about 15 or 16 that I wanted to be a lawyer literally so I could wear a suit and work in the city. Um, and I didn't realize that till many, many years later, but um, a spoiler alert for, for your listeners out there, um, it's not a really great reason for choosing a career. So anyway, I came out of, um, came out of the, the grad diploma and um, was as you said, Akira was fortunate enough to be to be offered a really highly competitive graduate role at a um, at a really fantastic organisation um, in corporate tax. And ultimately, once I got to this this point that I thought I had to go to, um, I realised that it wasn't what I was passionate about. It wasn't didn't fulfil my purpose. Um, so I made a, uh, made the choice about twelve months in to um, to transfer into. Um, into our education reform team, which is super, super fulfilling for me. Um, uh, and where education came into orig- came into it originally was um, that my mum's a teacher, and I'd always strongly believed in the in the value of education. I just thought that it wasn't something that I could be a part of. Yeah, yeah, um, and I also guess that um, some of the things that both of you touched on there was about how you guys really ended up doing stuff that you probably didn't expect and th- there's been, you know, a couple of um, experiences that, that have helped bring that, you know, uh, to light. Uh, but none of those have really come at a crucial stage, mm. which I think is is high school, where um, it's really important to know the scope of opportunities out there. But it seems like a lot of young people, including myself, don't really realize that as young as we should. Uh, and so how did you guys sort of feel the fears of, you know, moving past high school, was that something that was quite present? Absolutely. And I think um, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I thought, as I mentioned before, having reasonable grades, it meant that there was some level of expectation on me. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I thought I knew what I wanted to do, but in actual fact, I didn't. Um, and I put this really huge amount of pressure on myself to know exactly what I wanted to do um, and that it had to be you know, either a doctor or a lawyer, because that was the um, the professions that our society puts forward as the most quote unquote valuable. Um, so I think for for young people in high school, um, the the takeaway that that from my story, I think, is to really take the time to look at what really lights you up in your life, what yeah. you're really passionate about, what you think your purpose is, um, and not to be limited by existing career pathways because there are so many really really de- uh, really well defined career pathways um, and we can easily get trapped into 
um, going down a pathway that we think is very safe when in actual fact it's not um, in line with with what will offer us the most happiness in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, I also think it's important to um, to realise that the landscape of work is changing quite drastically and we're at a stage where, you know, it's quite unclear as to what, what the future of work is going to be like. And those, in particular, you know, the traditional way of um, getting a really good degree and going down that one path isn't really as effective anymore because I think the Foundation for Young Australians have come out with some statistics about 17 different jobs and seven different careers um, in our lifetimes that we're probably going to face. Yeah, that's right. And it's, I mean, I'm trying to think about what it was for me because I didn't really uh, know until after I left school that I, well, I, I did know I, since the age of 14, as I said, I had kind of had this secret dream of making a difference to um, youth in developing countries, but I had just completely blocked that option off for myself because I thought that I wasn't smart enough to go and do that um, and I really didn't enjoy school a whole lot apart from lunchtime and art and drama because <laughs> they were the subjects that I enjoyed and that I was good at and I think that you know there's just a lot of pressure to be um, academic or be good at sport that was mm. kind of the two things that were like the options mm. and I wasn't really interested in either of those things because I just didn't think it was good at them. So I think for kids that are not sporty or and not super, you know, wanting to be really academic and get A pluses in every class, there's not a lot of options for them. And it wasn't until I left school that I started looking for other options because I didn't and that was after I didn't get into the the drama school that I wanted to go to. So I was really heartbroken. I had my heart set on going to acting school in Melbourne and then I didn't get in and I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do for this year? <laughs> like I had to wait another whole year to audition again and that was when I started getting creative. So I think that kids really need to be encouraged to do that creative thinking when you're in school, not when you're out and like freaking out about what the heck you're going to do in your first year out of school. Absolutely. And um, Whitney, you've uh, definitely seemed to have had a, a a creative outlet from a very young age and obviously starting a not-for-profit and a social enterprise um, takes a lot of uh, creativity and creative intelligence to do that. Do you feel like your passion and your experience through the arts sort of helped you do that? And was it something you, you ever thought you'd be doing? Definitely not something I ever thought I would be doing. Again, because I just didn't think I was a leader and I didn't think that I was that kind of person that is smart enough to start a business. Um, and I certainly didn't think of it as something creative. It wasn't really until I was starting, you know, running my own organization and starting a social enterprise that I realized you really do need to be creative. Um, but yeah, I guess my, my family is sort of quite entrepreneurial and, and, Again, didn't realize that until I was running my own business, but my, my parents have run like seven different companies together. Uh, but I grew up on a big cattle station and my parents always worked together. So I just sort of saw my parents running their own businesses, doing their own, running their own enterprises, and it was just kind of normal. Um, 
so I think having grown up with that, you know, seeing my parents do that kind of just made it normal for me to go start my own thing. Hmm. Yeah. And I also think that one big thing that you touched on, particularly with your story about your trip in Tanzania, is um, that lack of belief that you as an individual can actually do something um, and something of value that makes a difference. And obviously, uh, that is also not just with, you know, starting your own business and your enterprise, but across anything that you really want to put your mind to, there's always that fear of not being able to be successful at it and not being able to make a difference. Most importantly, the fear of failure. How did you overcome that? Well, I don't really think it's something that I overcame Hmm. because it's definitely always fear. And especially when you're doing something big, there's even more fear because if I was doing some, you know, small thing that was really easy, there would be no fear. So I don't really think that fear is something that people conquer or get over or, you know, don't have in their life. Um, But really what makes the biggest difference for me is having something really important that's at stake. So for me, it's like kids in developing countries are not supported to be leaders in their communities. So that's the thing that's most important to me. So whenever I'm worried or scared or freaking out that I'm going to look stupid or screw up. It's like, okay, this is not about me. It's about these this youth that I'm out to really empower. And then that's when I'm able to kind of put that fear to the side and just do whatever I need to do. And I think fundamentally also there's um, the point that we that it's important for everyone to really appreciate is that every single human being, man, woman and child, Um, is passionate about something. There is some cause that really lights them up. Um, and so often we are, we allow the fear of failure or the fear of, um, looking silly to, to stop us from taking action to impact those things that we're really passionate about. So, I mean, for Whitney and I, um, you know, there's no roadmap for, what we're trying to do there's no instruction manual we um if i'm being honest we we're making it up as we go a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and there's a massive opportunity for for us to look silly if if we make a make a decision that doesn't quite work but that doesn't stop us because we always try to keep um at front of mind that that um that overriding commitment to to young people yeah definitely um and definitely embracing it seems like both of you have learned to embrace failure and look at it in, in more of a positive way it's an experience that you can learn from and build upon yeah and I just think people get too caught up on like trying to get over it mm. when there's nothing to get over like it's just a feeling or a thought that you're having that can potentially get in the way of something that's really important to you and we don't really, you don't really need to focus on it that much. If you have something bigger than yourself at stake, then it all works out. Definitely. And, and it's, we try to apply that kind of Silicon Valley mindset of fail fast. You know, yeah. we can, we can all start work on projects and keep it secret forever and ever until we have it just about perfect before we tell anyone. Um, but who knows? You may ultimately be working on something that doesn't work and that's totally fine. Um, but the best, the best way to approach it is to have a go, share with someone, um, try and build a project and find out sooner rather than later what does work and what doesn't work. 
Yeah, definitely. And um, one thing I also did want to touch on, uh, particularly with Matt, with you having gone through and done incredibly well in high school and gone through what, you know, a lot of people also consider a very prestigious and um, very good degree in, in law, that pressures um, that you mentioned, obviously your family, you said, was very supportive, but there must have also been a bit of pressure, not, not just from your family, but from the broader community of people that you knew who are older that seem to see that, you know, this was really the right path and helped you go down there. Um, how do we look around that, both embrace the the wisdom of those who are older than us, but also look at the way the workforce is moving into the future at the same time? Yeah, I think um, the way that the, the education system works at the moment is a is a really good place to start. I think there's a massive opportunity for um, policymakers to reform the way that educational institutions are operating because we're we're teaching um, professionalized qualifications like law, for example, as yeah. opposed to teaching foundational enterprise skills that are applicable to job roles that exist now and also job roles that we couldn't even possibly imagine, um, which many, yeah. many young people will be going into. Um, I think the societal, the societal expectation piece is, is an interesting one. I think um, for young people, there is a real opportunity to look to the people that have gone a bit off the beaten track. And I think um, uh, your, you know, your future guests and your podcast series will, will give a really great insight into that. Um, and to, you know, seek each other out, have conversations, be authentic with your friends about what it is that you want to do. Because often you'll find that everyone says they're going, going to go to uni to study law. But if you, if you have a chat to them, maybe it's not what they actually want to do. Maybe it's what their mum or dad thinks they should do. Um, or they think they have to compete with the other blokes at school or the other girls at school. Um, and if we all just took the opportunity to, uh, you know, be, be really authentic with each other, then we'd find out that people have amazing far-reaching passions in totally different um, industries and, and, like I mentioned before, passions for job roles that don't even exist yet. Yeah, absolutely. And um, with your projects in both Monochrome International and Monochrome Coffee, um, there's something that, um, really resonated with me and what you're trying to achieve is in um, redefining business success as not really the profits and the revenue that you make, but more the outcome and the impact that you have uh, on other people. And so how important is that to the way you guys operate and the way you guys live your lives? Oh, well, I think that's absolutely at the core of it because, I mean, if you run an awesome business, make a heap of money, that might be great for your one life but then you die and then what <laughs> like it sounds uh depressing but if you're not going to have an impact like really what's the point and the other part of it is that there's a million and one coffee companies out mm. there and if we don't differentiate ourselves then we're just another one of those so yeah, I mean, if, if there wasn't the impact side of things, we would just be a coffee company, which is fine. People drink the coffee. They like it. It's good. But really, the whole reason Monochrome Coffee Co. exists is to forward and expand and grow the impact that Monochrome International has on youth. So, 
I think I think we're seeing a um, we're at the beginning of a tidal wave of a change of mindset as to the role of business or the role of the private sector in society. Um, whereas there was a quite a long period of time where um, you know business the role of business was seen as a as a community function to employ people to um, to provide services to to fulfill a whole bunch of um, important functions. We then went down this pathway of looking at, um, you know, gross profit and profit margins as the, the sole, um, measurement of success in business. And I think now our generations and the generations after us will, um, take a, you know, lead a, um, I think a monumental shift back to what the role of business is, which is, um, to improve the lives of, of everyone in the community. And that's not to say that, you know, shareholders can't make a bit of money out of, out of businesses. But I think having that as the sole aim of, of the private sector is, um, uh, a way of thinking that's increasingly outdated. Mm, absolutely. And I think it's great to see as well, um, a lot of startups and new businesses finding success through the social aspects that they bring forward. Um, and it's great to see that reflective of the attitude among the, the youth community as well. Absolutely. I went to, um, I was fortunate enough to go to the, the Social Enterprise World Forum recently and, and represented there were about 1,600 delegates from um, more than 40 countries. So um, what we now call the social enterprise sector is um, growing rapidly and there is a really, really exciting movement that, um, that Whitney and I are, are really proud to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. Mm. And um, I guess one thing that I just want to make sure that everyone listening here um, is able to take away something very solid um, from our discussion. So I just want to ask you guys, um, for everyone listening in, what's one one thing or um, yeah, at least one thing that everyone, everyone can do to help shape a more effective educational journey for themselves and others around them to reach I guess a level of realization that you guys have been lucky enough to reach as well. It's a really good question. Um, I think the, the first thing that I would say is get really clear on um, your passion or your purpose um, and start to think about what kind of job roles would allow you to fulfill on that. Um, and if that job doesn't exist, then create it. Um, I think to for for young people to share really openly and honestly with each other about what those passions are, to um, you know connect with each other and build movements and build organisations, and um, maybe to look outside of the traditional education framework, i.e., you know, high school, university, or high school TAFE. Um, and look where you can get those skills that you'll need to um, to be able to transition into your dream role. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be my start. What- um, yeah, I definitely agree with the getting clear on what you're passionate about part, but also that can be a bit of a, like, how the hell do I do that um, if, if somebody isn't clear? So I think the other important thing is to just try heaps of different mm. stuff. Like try, I don't know, get different part-time jobs and hang out with different people and 
play different sports or, or whatever it is, just do heaps of different stuff because you're not going to know that you don't like something or that you do like something until you've actually tried it. And for pretty much the whole time that I was at school, since the age of 10, I decided I, you know, just wanted to be an actor. And there was nothing wrong with that because I was really clear, but it just meant that I ruled out every other possible opportunity. And it wasn't until I went over to Tanzania and realized there was heaps of other stuff that I could do and found out that I was like good at other things that I then started to consider, maybe I will go to uni, maybe I'll do this, like maybe there's all these other different things that I then considered. Um, And while you're at school, really like demand of your school that they support you as well because Mm -hmm. schools are realizing that kids that are in school now they're going to leave school and the workforce is going to look totally different to when like your teachers finish school or even when the people the year before you finish school. So they really need to be supporting students as well. So, yeah, I think really being a demand of your teachers and career counsellors or whatever um, support network your school provides, just really like going for it with them. Yeah, and I think... Um Another thing that's come to mind, sparked by Whitney saying, try a whole heap of different things, um, I think is to approach the workforce with humility. Um, I think mm. it's easy if, you know, if, if one's a young person that's a high performer and um, has got good grades or has been a really fantastic performer in sports or any cultural pursuits to, to come into the workforce and think that certain job roles are beneath them. Yeah. And so they miss out on all these amazing skills and learnings that you know we get from doing undesirable jobs like i'll give you a couple of examples from my own background um my first job was scooping ice cream at baskin robbins um one of my other early jobs was being a cleaner in a pub so i used to get up at half past four in the morning and go and basically wipe you know mop sick off the floor of a pub um, not because I enjoyed it or not because that's where I saw my future career was going to be, because, but because I knew that that was really building me and building my appreciation for, um, for the opportunities that I had been given. Um, and I think through that experience, it gave me a really strong desire to want to give back. Yeah, yeah. And I think just to, in sort of closing up here as well, is just trying new things and giving stuff a go. I think a, a big fear that a, a lot of people have is that, um, they're not good enough to try things that are a few steps ahead of where they think they are. And I know mm. from my experience, as um, you guys can probably attest to as well, is that most people are willing to give young people, you know, that want to get involved a go. They're more than happy to, um, you know, meet up for a coffee or, um, yeah, just try you out and give you a chance. And more often than not, you'll end up surprising yourself with what you're able to do. Totally. I was just going to say um, something around that as well. If you want to like start your own thing or start a project or a business or an organization, just start it and see how you go. Mm. Um, Of course, not everybody wants to do that, but don't wait until you think you're ready or you know enough stuff or you're then, you know, you want to go have a 20 or 30 year corporate career and then you can make a difference no you don't have to wait for that like you can literally start now I met someone the other day that was like oh I started my non-profit when I was 17 and I was like damn it I should have started when I was 17 (laughs) um you know and whereas I started my organization when I was 19 so 
um, yeah, I think just go for it. And if it doesn't work out, then at least you have a cool thing that you tried. And I think also take the mindset that, you know, think of whomever the person is that you find most inspiring and get really clear that they don't have anything that you don't have. Yeah. Um, you know, you, it's easy for us to, to look at really inspiring people, like I'm really inspired by Elon Musk, for example, and to think that they're some superhero or yeah. that they have some innate ability or some, you know, set of characteristics that I don't have. But the truth is that we're all human beings. We all have the same gifts. We all have the same shortcomings. Um, and it's the people that are brave and passionate that are the achievers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on this podcast and talking about everything that you've gone through and sharing um, the values and lessons that you've learned from the experiences through your lives. I know that just listening to it myself, I've learned so much and I'm sure that everyone listening in will have definitely a lot to take away. You're welcome. Thanks so much for asking us. You're one of the, the brave ones that actually do the thing that you want to do. So it's our pleasure. Thanks, Akil. It's been an honor. Thank you all so much for listening in and engaging in with this conversation. I've just got three quick things I want to say. First of all, if you'd like to reach out to Whitney or Matt or simply just keep up uh, with their work, you can visit their website at monochromecoffee.co or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Monochrome Coffee Co., all one word, which is their username across all platforms. I also want to give a huge thank you to local camera producer, vocalist, and visual artist Slack for producing the music in this podcast. If you like what you hear, please check her out on SoundCloud at Slack underscore Oz or Facebook at Slack Australia. The very last thing I want to say is that it would mean so much if you could leave a review for the podcast. Let me know what you think. And yeah, I hope you guys have a great week.